and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, with today's movie, we finally wrap up our month of 1981 slasher films. Uh, and this one is called Final Exam, an R-rated movie by writer-director Jimmy Houston. And uh, this one's been on my list a bit, not because I'd heard anything terribly notable about it, but because, like all of the movies we're doing this month, there are slasher films that seem to be kind of on the fringe of what seemed to be a pretty interesting year for horror, with a lot of uh, slasher movies coming out and uh, a lot of other horror movies coming out. It, It just seemed like at this point we were heading into the early 80s from some interesting horror with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff in the late 70s, and Halloween, and Black Christmas, and that just kind of kicked off a whole frenzy of money-making exploitation opportunities. (laughs) And so, you know, 1981, at least as I was looking through, seemed to be kind of an interesting year, and that's why we're doing these, as you would have heard after listening to the other episodes. And uh, also, check out our mini-sode about it. If you are a patron, we're going to talk in a little more detail about just the year in general in horror and movie that we've covered, movies that we'd like to cover later, and just what was going on at that time. So this is Final Exam. Like I said, uh, this was more on the fringes. It was one where I'd noticed the poster of it when I was clicking through lists of movies and slasher movies that I hadn't seen. And uh, it's always kind of in the back of my mind just because I figured, oh, it's just like all these other ones, right? Fall Break, Final Exam, Prom Night, where where the movies just look for some kind of teenage time, (laughs) holidays like Christmas or April Fool's Day or things like that. I guess by now they had a lot less to pick from, and so final exam is the subject of this one. And I had never seen it before this time around. How about you? Yep, I'd seen it uh, recently, you know, this year, I think. Again, just uh, scrolling through streaming services, came upon it and just put it on to have something on in the background, but... I do remember more about this one than most of those movies that I just kind of put on in the background. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think there were some, uh, at least a couple of interesting characters that drew me in a little bit. But yes, I had seen it before, but I had watched it not thinking that we would necessarily ever talk about it, so I didn't pay super close attention so i was interested in going back and watching again and here we are (laughs) (laughs) and here we are ready about ready to talk about this i mean otherwise very typical to the point of cliche in some ways slasher movie i think it has a couple distinctive things about it but ultimately yeah you know it's pretty obviously inspired by Halloween and Friday the 13th and those that came before it. Jimmy Houston himself, the writer-director, has done almost nothing really uh, before or after this. Directed a few movies before it and a couple after it, but I don't even think they were horror movies. And yeah, I I guess I read that uh, even on the DVD re-release of this film, they ended up getting a lot of the original actors back to record a commentary track. And... Jimmy Houston was not there. <laughs> so huh, that's weird. odd, right, for the writer-director. That's a pretty notable absence <laughs> from a DVD commentary track. Pretty much all the actors in this movie also were more or less plucked from obscurity. I think most of them were flown in from L.A. to shoot in South Carolina here, and many of them were just picked up based on people seeing them in stage productions and stuff. 
a lot of them were just fr- his friends. Yeah, um, the crew especially. And, 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 and students, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and the, the crew pops up as extras, and they, you know, they just plucked extras from wherever they could. I was going to say, as you're scrolling through the credits, you can see the same name popping up several times. Like, oh, this person was an actor and also a key grip. You know, this person... Right. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, okay, so... This movie is interesting because the director wanted to, and he wrote it too, he wanted to deviate from the slasher formula a little bit by focusing more on the characters. Yeah. Which, arguably, he does, but (sighs) (laughs) what that results in is basically nothing. This is an hour and a half movie. Nothing happens for the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> it is noticeable like, absence of any slashing or even any nudity for that for that matter. It's it's almost kind of like a teen and and I hesitate to even say teen cuz they're in college. So they're probably in their late teens or early 20s, but it's like a teen college movie except not funny (laughs) (laughs) it's just like it's like it's just it's like hijinks like yeah fraternity hijinks and and getting to know these characters to some extent and Mm. and to be fair there are a couple of interesting characters i don't know if interesting is really the word i don't even know if likable is really the word but they're the main girl courtney is kind of interesting, you know, like she's not stereotypically gorgeous. I mean, she's a pretty girl, mm. but uh they kind of make a point how she's not stereotypical, stereotypically beautiful as compared to her rich blonde roommate. Yeah. But she's likable, and then there's a kid like the nerdy one whose name is Radish, and he is, like, the most super interesting. cute and charming. Yeah. Yeah, and interesting, like, intelligent and has varied interests and is genuinely, like, nice, and he seemed cool. Like, I would want to be friends with him, even though he's cast in, like, the nerd role, like, you know, getting pushed around by the big jocks and stuff like that. Yeah. The rest of the characters are basically just stereotypes Mm -hmm. the girls you know like so there's the the slutty roommate linda lisa Lisa. who's the you know kind of the blonde bimbo who has like a whole monologue about the importance of being attractive and flirting because you can get anything you want in life by doing that the important thing to know is how to get what you want (laughs) that's what'll help you later on not grades. Yeah, but good grades can't hurt. Neither can good times. I'd rather know how to flirt. One thing's for sure. You'll never catch me studying chemistry. <laughs> Not while there's a man teaching it. Watch! <gasps> Hi! Excuse me, could one of you give me a hand? Sure. <laughs> and, yeah. like, she, she <laughs> talks about it, and then she demonstrates it, and sadly, she's probably right. You know, she's mm. a very beautiful woman who, you know, can kind of get men to do whatever she wants them to do. And 
again, very stereotypically, she's sleeping with the chemistry professor so she doesn't really have to study or do anything for that class. You know, beyond that, it's not like she's unfriendly, you know, like, yeah, she's nice, you know, yeah. <laughs> use I mean, what you got, whatever, that's fine. They all kind of are. Well... <laughs> The frat guys, the two main frat guys, Mark and Wild Man, like, I can't believe I'm going to have to say that several times. <laughs> Wild Man goes by several names in here anyway, so you can pick God. <laughs> they, they are the epitome of the kind of guys that I really have a lot of distaste for. Just yeah. like these guys that think they're like alpha males because of their status, and in Wild Man's case, this the fact that he's, you know, a huge guy and and can, you know, easily bully and overpower other people, which he does. And they they just act like oafs, like yeah. the you know the the kind of guys who think it's cool and funny to just behave really badly and and knock treat people badly, books and, out of their hands and stuff. But they're not necessarily really cruel about it. You know, it's just like goofy frat hijinks by dumb dumb guys i mean like you said before just stereotypical frat boy characters that we've seen in like all these movies really but not as mean-spirited as sometimes we can see them i think yeah yeah they're not i don't remember what movie we did recently it was a halloween movie they're not like those rapey guys yeah um, from from whatever they're oh, not like God. that but you know these are the kind of guys that i've encountered and you know are are more than happy to call me a fag and push me around you know like so i just have i just have distaste for for this kind of character i'm sure they're lovely young men in real life i don't know whatever <laughs> right but that's it and so the first hour is just kind of uh, college hijinks kind of stuff and then it gets to the killings, and then it is entirely formulaic. It's just they do the whole formula in the last half hour. Yeah. And so as soon as people start getting killed, it's just boom, 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 boom. And it follows the formula pretty much exactly. I, uh, I don't know. It's I don't know. I just don't really know what to make of it because it's not poorly made. No, it's not. The, you know, the, the the cinematography is okay. The acting is fine. Uh, the score is is okay. I think the writing's pretty pretty bad. The dialogue is so written. It's trying to be funny and it's trying to be cute, but it just comes across as kind of childish in a way, dumb. And I think that that shows. It's, so I wasn't really sure whether to fault the performance of the actors, which. I thought was a little unconvincing, especially earlier on in the movie when we're supposed to be getting to know them like real people. Or if it's just the things coming out of their mouths are are just silly. The, the movie reminded me a little bit of maybe a student film. I was getting shades of The Dorm That Drip Blood. You remember when we did that one? Yeah, yeah, I remember it. That was shot on a college campus. It's all, seems to be all friends who got together who were yeah. all like literally college students, probably all involved in the theater or film department. And yeah. it sounds like this wasn't too far off from that. And so I got similar vibes, except that movie I remember being a little more on the, a little edgier. It was bloodier. It had some pretty graphic, gruesome moments. This movie also distinguishes itself by 
having almost no gore at all. Right. Most of the killings happen either in shadow or off screen. There's clearly like no budget for special effects for this. Right. You know, at one point a guy gets strangled by some wire and all you it's just like blood coming out of his mouth. Uh, and then stabbings, which just sort of happen either off camera or in the shadow, which are not even very convincing. It looks like the guy doing the stabbing is trying really hard not to actually stab anything. <laughs> just this sort of robotic up and down motion that doesn't give the impression that you're you're forcefully plunging a knife into anything, nor having to like exert any effort as, as to pulling it out of something. You know, it's just up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, according to him, he was wielding a real knife, so... <laughs> Maybe he to had to use caution. <laughs> I don't know. The other thing that makes this movie stand out from the other slashers, and I and I, I really think that this was intentional, and I feel like there's even commentary on it in the movie, was that this killer, first of all, he's not masked, which does go yeah. against the formula. You know, a lot a lot of slashers in the eighties wore some kind of mask. That was kind of the formula. But even if they didn't wear the mask, sometimes the camera was the mask because mm -hmm. you would never see their face, but you would see from their perspective. Yeah. A lot. And there's a little tiny bit of POV stuff going on here, but not a lot. But you see the killer. Yeah. You see his face right from the very beginning. And then when in the, there's a kill scene in the very beginning to set it up. And then an hour later when he reappears, he kind of lingers in the shadows a little bit, but there are many, many times where you very clearly see his face. So he's not anonymous in that way, but he has no backstory. He has no clear motivation. He's just a random killer. Yeah. But again, like I said, I, I feel like that's what they were going for because there is a scene where the main girl, Courtney, and Radish talk, and Radish talks about how... There are killers all around us all the time, and people just kill people for random reasons, and you never really know why, and you never really know who it's going to be. Don't you unlock your door? What could happen to me? Famous last words. Why are you so apprehensive? When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths skulking about? But they are out there. They do exist. People are killed every day for no reason at all. Perfect strangers wake up in the morning and decide, hmm, I think it's a good day to snuff somebody. And there are people who eat at our restaurants with us, use our highways, and vote for the president, which probably explains something about him, too. I'm not paranoid. I'm just facing unhappy facts. So will you please stop it? Because I don't think it's cute like some people might. And so I I think that that's kind of the point that they were trying to make. You know, like, mm. we don't need to know this guy's motivation. We don't need to know his backstory. He's just a killer. Like, yeah. that's it. And And when he dies at the end, any mystery dies with him. We don't have any idea who this guy is. Like, yeah. And, and that was so against formula to be distracting, I thought, you know? Uh, maybe just because we're so programmed, and also maybe for a good reason, we, we want to know, right? Like, we want to know some motivation. Yeah. We want to be thrown a bone somewhere. And so even when the killer's face first started to become obvious, I thought, 
This is like a poorly made movie where they didn't do a good enough job obscuring his face. And then when we saw his face again and again, I thought, oh, well, all right, well, now I'm going to look for this guy. Maybe he's one of the other characters, you know, with just like his beard shaved or something. You know, like I'm just trying to figure out he's got to be somebody. There's got to be some mystery here, some big reveal. And there isn't, as you said. And I, I think just that was nagging at me the whole time that I found it distracting. And I I can't really say it was a good thing either. I guess trying to be slightly innovative and go against formula sometimes ends up working against you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having this random killer. And like you said, there is there's some lines in there that make it clear that that's probably what he was going for. And we know that the director was intentionally trying to do something different here. I think it's an interesting idea because I think that the rationale behind it is true. You know, well, there are just crazy people who kill people. You know, they're, they're not always motivated by anything other than our, maybe their own psychosis or violent tendencies. But for a movie, it's a lazy idea. <laughs> well, I just think I it's think. not. Yeah, I guess I, I, I see what you mean, and I don't disagree. I just feel like maybe it could have been executed in a more interesting way. Right. But you're right. It, it takes it takes something away when there's no connection, when there's no reason for him to be killing these people other than he's he just wants to. Well, that's, I, I don't know. That's the other thing you look for as well, right? Is like what who's he targeting? Right, and why? Especially earlier in the movie. The movie opens with a kill scene. There is a kill scene at the very beginning. Yeah. There's a couple making out in a car with the most hilarious dialogue. I think it was this scene that made me think, well, I I think I'm going to enjoy this movie as a so bad it's good movie. Yeah. Because it's this couple making out in a car, uh, and... (laughs) And the girl keeps going, no, no, not here. You know, I don't want to do this here. And he, he gets kind of pissy at her, and he says, oh, I see. All of a sudden, the car's not good enough anymore. Is that no, it? That... Well, look, I, I can't afford another motel room. We've spent all my money. On beer. Well, you were happy enough to drink your share. I just don't like it here. I don't feel right. Could we at least put the top up? Do I ever deny you anything? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, you denied her. You just denied her a motel stay. <laughs> kind of... It's it's pretty silly, and uh, it's such a long scene. It is. Oh, I, I hear something. Oh, who knows what it is? Oh, let's get in the back. Okay, I hear something again. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, the car's moving. Oh, that kind of pisses me off. Oh, can you just take me somewhere else? No, why isn't the car good enough? And like, oh, my God. Just get to it already. Finally, I guess a body flops down on the car, um, which you know doesn't mean anything. We don't. It's just a face that appears on the windshield. Yeah, I, 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 I'm still confused as to what that was. I didn't know if it was a body or if it was the killer, like mm. peering at them. I, I, I'm still uncertain. It looked like a body, but if it was, we don't have any idea who it was. Not that it matters. We don't yeah. really know who these kids are. We just know they're random kids. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought it was funny when it, it's a convertible, a soft top convertible. So the killer, <laughs> like, you know, slashes through the top of it. And then finally the guy's like, let's get out of here. <laughs> finally he's willing. And jumps in the front seat. <laughs> right underneath and him. And ends up getting, I, I think he starts to move the car, but he ends up getting, you know, pulled up out and stabbed or gets his 
throat slit or something. With a very, very long dolly in on her, screaming and screaming and screaming, doing nothing else in the backseat but watching this and screaming. I, I... I felt for this actress. I felt I could just be there on the set with her as she was probably doing, you know, 10, 15 takes of this. All right, we just need you to scream nonstop, you know, for like 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> right, and you don't even see her get killed. No. The news, this is on a different college campus. We then immediately jump to another college campus where it's like the last day of the semester it's just like some lingering students like um some of them i I guess most of the students are already done with their exams and have already left so this is like the last day of exams and just a a few students um are lingering and the news spreads i i think it's radish who tells the other characters that there was a murder on this other campus which i guess is just in like an adjacent town oh yeah Um, or something. And it's, it's so much and he, walking and he says and they talking. were both it is. It's a lot of walking and talking. He says um that there were that a couple, two kids were killed. So we know she died, but we don't even see it on camera. I don't know. It's just yeah. Missed opportunities left and right. It, it Truly. Like. It really is. And you know, again, it's very typical, right? Well, first of all, it goes back to the 1950s. You know, if it wasn't a horror movie, it was a sci-fi movie of a couple making out in a car, and there's a comet that, you know, crashed nearby yeah, in the woods yeah. that they have to investigate, get attacked by aliens. So it, it definitely starts out, for a, a guy who's trying to do something different, he starts straight off the bat with the most cliche thing you could think of. And then it jumps again into more cliche. You're on the college campus, and it's, but it's, excessive walking and talking and it's shot well yeah i was actually kind of impressed at how a lot of this was done in one take and would you know would move from one couple to the next or another couple would kind of pass by the camera while another couple Uh was coming towards the camera you know that that requires a lot of coordination it requires some pretty good acting skill to not flub your lines and all that stuff but but the dialogue is just so hilarious and of course they start talking about the final exams oh why do i even need to study chemistry Oh, what was that guy's name? Mark talking to uh, Janet or Courtney. Lisa? Courtney. And I love Courtney's response. Well, that is a problem with education. They do keep trying to teach you all that stuff. <laughs> okay, yes. It's trying to fill it with dialogue. It is. Anyway, it establishes that we're on a college campus and these are college people who are doing college things. And one of those things is taking the final exam, hence the framework of the movie. And that's really about... Oh, and then, you know, let's Radish pop in as the nerdy guy who then gives us all yeah. the information, a dump of, you know, hey, did you hear those killers on the other day? <laughs> and then the Ophi guy who comes running by and knocks Wild Man. You know, knocks Rash's books out of his hand and turns around, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, and they all like, they're all like, oh, <laughs> goofy old wild. Like, that's, that's not funny. Like, no. people isn't funny. They all thought it was hilarious, though. Well, even Radish, like, yes. oh, you know, old wild man again. <laughs> and sometime later in the movie, they like, break into his room and and push him around like pick him up by his shirt and stuff and after they leave he just kind of rolls his eyes and shakes his head like oh those silly guys like no that, it's not funny and it's so weird i mean it's a movie so whatever get over <laughs> it, it but you know there there's only supposedly this handful of students left but they all know each other and are best friends even though they don't really seem to have a whole lot in common like 
when I first saw Courtney and Mark walking and talking together, I thought, oh, okay, here's our couple, you know, yeah. like, this is going to be, like, our final couple. Like, she's obviously the final girl. He's going to be the nice guy that tries to help her. Probably will get killed, but you never know. Um, no. But he's not. He's, he's one of the douchebags. He's, douche like bags. The, he's <laughs> the leader of the douchebags. And it, what's so strange about it is, like, at first they're – I don't know, their behavior seems, you know, fairly innocent. They're just kind of douchey. By the end, they're like these drug dealers. <laughs> it goes into Who are willing territory. to, like, break and enter to and, and destroy property to steal drugs so they can sell them on campus. Which is like an <laughs> but, idea they but, just but come up with. All, they're also all... <laughs> yeah, but but they're all best friends, and they're all sleeping with one another, and uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's and it's – it's <laughs> well, and I guess they keep saying over and over again, oh, there's hard, hardly anyone around anywhere. There's hardly anyone here. Like, I guess some of the final exams are running a little late or something, and most everybody's left, and it's just, like you said, this group of people. But they're still going to the cafeteria, and the cafeteria is still full of people and running. And fully stocked, right. Fully stocked. I mean, well, <laughs> what I thought, you know <laughs> – my assumption, having been to college, was, you know, the college that I went to, so I assume most colleges are on an alternating schedule. So you have classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and classes Tuesday, Thursday. So on Thursday, a lot of people are going to be done with their exams if they don't have Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. So they would be gone. So that that made sense to me. It could um, happen. Yeah. It just doesn't it really could happen, play but... out on the screen in a convincing way. I mean, it looks like a small school anyway, and there's still a lot of people around mm -hmm. when it's convenient for there to be a lot of people around. But then when it's not, then there's nobody around. Like <laughs> <laughs> Just these people all hang Late, out and know each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. Later in the movie when there's peril, which, again, I guess, you know, maybe the it's nighttime, maybe the exams are done and these are just like the last lingering people but when Courtney, who is the final girl, ends up, you know, running around, she's like banging on every door, there's nobody around. She can't yeah. <laughs> rouse anybody. Uh, it, it's just, you know, the this last group of like six kids that we've been following are the only people who are still there just so that they can get picked off yeah i wish there was more interesting stuff to talk about i guess the only other kind of interesting thing but it, again it bothers me and i think that it bothers me only because i'm coming from a modern perspective like apparently okay so we see <laughs> i in my notes i kept calling it a creep van we we, we see this creep van like creeping you know through <laughs> campus and we see pov shots you know, from the interior of the van. It comes up to every building on campus at some point. It's kind of funny. It keeps cutting to it. Yeah, and there's ominous music, and, it, you know, it feels very much like Halloween, like, you know, Michael Myers stalking around in his car or whatever. As it turns out, there are actually two creep fans, and... <laughs> right. <laughs> at some point, like, they're, the, the chemistry final is going on, and this one creep van, we see that there are multiple people in it in ski masks with with machine guns. Mm -hmm. And 
they jump out of the van and start shooting people and you see people getting shot and going yes. down and yes. like there's carnage everywhere meanwhile in the exam room the the um Oh, oh God, I don't remember what you call them. The, the monitors, the people who are like watching to make sure people aren't cheating, they're distracted. So Mark like fake scores his own test and puts an 82 on it, which is the score that he has to get to pass. Otherwise, he's going to get kicked out of school or whatever. And he takes it and he puts it on the bottom of the graded thing. So like he takes advantage of this. As it turns out, that was the plan. This is a distraction. But it looks like a full-on terrorist attack. Yes. And... That's what it's meant to look like. As it turns out, it's a prank. It's a, a prank put on by the fraternity, I guess, to distract from or delay the exams. And when it's over, everybody just kind of walks away and laughs. Like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was hilarious. What? Oh, what's even funnier is when the sheriff comes out with his attitude and pulls up in his car and is like, so which one of you wise guys came out and called me about a shooting going on on campus? Yeah. He's not really all that pissed off about the prank. He's no. pissed off that he, that he was bothered by it. That somebody, that, cause Radish called the police as you should when you witness a terrorist attack. But that, yeah, when the, when the guy shows up, He's not particularly concerned about the prank. He's more concerned about the fact that Radish bothered him by calling him. He does kind of, like, ask who was responsible, and, and Radish gives him the license plate number of the van. He calls it in, and it's titled uh, to Wild Man's dad. So he kind of gives Wild Man a little bit of a hard time. A little bit. <laughs> Basically, he just says, like, you know, watch your back. You're on my radar. That's it. Yeah. But it's enough to piss Wild Man and Mark off that, that Radish would even give the license plate number radish didn't even know like no, he didn't he know no it was wild man's van you know he was just trying to do the right thing the reason this whole thing bothers me is because today those boys would be in federal prison yeah <laughs> like <laughs> you don't just fake terrorist attacks well uh, even 40 years ago because th they're talking on the camera because there's the test the actual test and there's some very very cringy teacher dialogue there well, never mind well i'd love to go on talking like this but i must warn you your quiz isn't getting any shorter and your examination period is then let us add it i should remind you you're on the modified honor system I'll be leaving the room, and the grading assistants will be watching you. And uh, they are both frustrated Nazis. And if they observe any cheating, they have been instructed to alert a highly skilled sniper that I've placed in McWilliams Tower. He was a gun bearer for the Eagle Scout down in Texas. You mean Charles Whitman, one of my favorites. And he's anxious to bag a few students on his own. I mean, he makes a reference to an actual historical... Can't, you know, at the time, the biggest mass shooting event that had ever happened in America. You know, almost just in a blasé, and then they get in a little bit of a discussion about it, and it's in pretty bad taste, I thought. And so, you know, it's kind of in a way sort of foreshadowed, but then when you talk about missed opportunities, I thought, okay, well, now these guys are suitably pissed at Radish, and so there's going to be a thing where they 
you know, like a prank gone wrong or a prank that puts them into peril where they're, you know, trying to get back at Radish. Hi, there's like one scene or whatever where they kind of rough him up a little bit and they just sort of let him go. Yeah. That really goes nowhere either. So all this stuff kind of happens, but it's just filler material that I guess we're supposed to get to know these people better. But it's kind of dumb and it's very unrealistic and it's a little cringy, like the dialogue and stuff. Uh, I think there are meant to be jokes here. There are lines that you can tell are supposed to be funny, but they don't come across. You know, the jokes just don't land. I remember uh, reading on Wikipedia and scrolling down through some of the critical reception. I I just had to laugh at what all movie said, which was, quote, a hybrid of frat boy comedy and slasher thriller exploitation, which features no slashing, no humor, and fails to exploit anything. That's it. That was right on the nose in a sentence how this movie feels, especially during the first hour. Um, you're so waiting for a kill, and it's just these hijinks and this weirdness and and bizarre weirdness, like a fake terrorist attack. Well, and and like <clears throat> some stuff that's funny that I laughed out loud at, but that I didn't think was intentional. Like when Ra- when Radish calls the sheriff, what he says into the phone is, "It's happening. The psychopaths are here." right and he and he says something he says something like that again later when he actually finds a body he calls the police again and he he says something similar i don't remember yeah oh it's it's a really long scene too well well even when they're in taking the test right you can hear gunfire and screaming like machine gun and people scream ah and in, inside the test room, meanwhile, they're all kind of looking up, half interested, going, huh, I wonder what's going on outside there. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's when – so when Radish finds a body later, he, he calls the police – no, before he calls the police, he says to himself, it's happening. It's happening here. Call the police. Like, he tells himself to call. <laughs> There's a lot of talking to themselves happening in this movie as well. Yeah, and again, I mean, I, I really did like the, this guy. I liked this character, and he gets killed eventually, which surprised me. Yeah, me too. He was he was the most likable character, and he was kind of the character. He was the one, like I said, he and Courtney have a conversation about, um, I mean, it's it's a one-sided conversation, but radish talks about how there are psychopaths all around and there are killers all around he seems to be the one who's kind of aware like i i read somewhere and we talk about i feel like we mention him far too often on the podcast but the character of randy from scream right um i read that was was partially inspired by this guy which i can see because yeah you know kind of the goofy nerdy one but the one who is kind of aware of, you know, stuff. But I liked him, and uh, I was surprised when he was killed, and and very unceremoniously. Uh, yeah. And it's, too, like, it, it's sad because it's obvious from the beginning that he has a crush on Courtney. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep ha- they keep having these interactions throughout. And they're sweet, yeah. flirtatious interactions. Like, it doesn't seem like she's interested in him, but it seems like she takes him seriously as a person. You know, she like, she likes him and appreciates him. It seems like she could be, 
but just not at this she moment. She could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's because he's really nice and mm-hmm. uh really nice to her. And at one point, you know, very soon before he gets killed, they kinda have a heart to heart and for no reason other than he's just he just thinks that there are random killers in the world. He tells her to lock her door because he's worried about her just for her safety or whatever. You know, that's sweet and nice or whatever. She's kind of um, lamenting. She's jealous of her roommate, Lisa, who can get whatever she wants because of her good looks and stuff. And, you know, she talks about, she's like, I'm not mad at Lisa. I like her. You know, it's not like I don't like her. It's just... It doesn't seem fair that she doesn't have to work for anything that she gets, whatever she wants. And he said, well, you know, that that's really not how it works. You know, there will be a price that she has to pay, you know, at some point. Um, you know, but she's just utilizing what she has. But you have things that you can utilize too. And he actually, he leaves. He, he leaves uh, the room and tells her to lock the door, and she does. But apparently there's two doors to their mm-hmm. dorm room. <laughs> so he just walks down to the other one she opens it and he's like i just wanted to tell you um that you have uh, a pretty face too um even prettier than lisa then he just walks away and like talks to himself in the hallway like that was a really stupid thing to do (laughs) but it seemed like you know there was kind of something budding between them Mm -hmm. and then he goes off to like of course because he's the only nerd on campus he's like the manager of the football team or whatever so he has to go like do athletic equipment inventory in the middle of the night yeah in the middle of the night on the last day of the semester (laughs) he goes and he finds a dead body and his first thought after trying to call the police who don't believe him because they've already been fooled once by the whole terrorist thing Mm -hmm. so they totally write him off so he hangs up the phone and is like fine I'm going to have to take action myself and then he says Courtney and he sprints back to her room he's flying well and like it's nice you know he's concerned about her it's heroic I'm expecting them you know him to kind of be her shining knight you know and uh, he he frantically knocks on her door it's like Courtney Courtney Um, and then the killer just punches his hand through the door and grabs him and pulls him through and the next thing the next time we see him he's just dead hanging there in the door yeah again missed opportunity you know this if fine we get the final girl running around we get the third act body dump where you know we see all these bodies or whatever but i just think it could have been a lot more interesting if they had been there together at least for a while yeah if he had had more opportunity because he's been portrayed as this kind of you know the 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 writer director came up with the word with the name radish because it sounds like nebish which is a um a yiddish word which means a person especially a man who is regarded as pitifully ineffectual timid or submissive you know they they've set him up to be like that to be that guy what a great opportunity it would have been then to let him have a moment of heroism yeah but he's deprived of that which i just felt like was a disappointment. Yeah. There's a, this level of care, you know, put into the writing of the movie. You know, aside from 
just giving us a lot of scenes to show these people talking and interacting, it really doesn't end up amounting to anything terribly satisfying, right, as far as character development goes. The stereotypes just kind of remain stereotypes. There are a lot of missed opportunities with certain things. And the killer himself just can be anywhere magically he wants, which is typical for these movies, but maybe even more obvious here that it's just to the point where it gets kind of ridiculous to the point where I thought maybe they were trying to be funny. But honestly, the tone of the movie doesn't really support that. I mean, there's one point where the killer chases... Was it Gary? I don't remember. We've got Janet and Gary. Gary's a pledge of this fraternity. And so he keeps popping in every now and then. And uh, one of those guys, Mark and and Wild Man, are sending him to do things. Oh, sending him in to steal the the test papers or whatever from the professor's office. So I guess they're going to take more exams tomorrow or something. I don't know. Uh, And and they're... There are stalking scenes there that are kind of cool, but again, don't end up amounting to anything because we're still not an hour into the movie yet. (laughs) And I thought there were some effective stalking scenes, actually, and the music was quite good. See, and I thought the stalking scenes were stupid. Like, I I felt like they were... I thought they were going for a Mike Myers vibe, but yeah. like in my in my notes, you know, every once in a while, I just have creeper be creeping, like yeah. he's like he's just hanging out in the background. Well, there's he just... seems and and he seems to be particularly interested in Courtney, like he's following her around and yeah. watching her. Why? No, no reason. No, and that's why I said earlier, like it was so confusing that that uh, he seems to be interested in Courtney. So I'm like, oh, okay, like there's no. And then there's a time when he seems to be interested in Lisa, but no. And and then I realized now this killer is not really interested in anybody in particular. They just got to get him in the background of a bunch of scenes right. to give us a bunch of jump scares and supposedly build tension. You're right. They were going for that Mike Myers in the shadows. He's there in one second, and then as soon as the camera whips back, he's not. But because there was really no payoff ever for it, it was just maddening. But um, this guy, Gary, right? Uh, the oh, pledge. Oh, I love the fraternity. Yeah, guys, I'll do the things that you want me to do. And there's this thing where he's pinning Janet. And we know, even though we really never see much, but I think one introductory scene of him and Janet being affectionate or yeah. emotional, everything else is just him getting taken advantage of by these other two dudes. He goes to steal that paper, and when he, and, you know, and there's again killer in the background, but nothing comes of it because when he comes downstairs, the fraternity guys are there to meet him, and they grab him and they take him out. It's magically daytime again, and they tie him to a tree in the middle of campus and just cover him in shaving cream and frosting or whatever, dump stuff on him, literally strip him down to his underwear, and then kudos to this actor they pour like a huge bucket of ice into his shorts mm-hmm. and i thought holy shit that uh that didn't look comfortable for anybody no right and then they just leave him there and everybody just walks off ha 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 funny guys and in the meantime janet doesn't give a shit she's gone back to the room to talk a little bit more with courtney uh, about oh he pinned me all this stuff oh i don't know if i like him oh if he likes me oh you you and there's this long monologue then we finally get back to him, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's still tied to that tree. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's, like, nighttime now, but his underwear is still full of ice. That Like, this much <laughs> yeah. magic ice. It, it makes no sense. 
But you know, again, in the middle of the tree, tied to this tree in the middle of the of the, of the quad, even the local—I don't know what he was like—the security guard on campus or whatever—we see a little bit. Milton pops by, and you think he's going to cut him loose, and he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and then Janet's finally like, "Oh, you know what? I guess I like him after all. I guess I'm going to have to go down and free him." And so she goes down, and uh, this is our first kill, right? Aside from the opening scene, yeah. Okay, so now we are an hour into the movie, and Gary is tied to the tree. And apparently this is a tradition thing. Like, if you're, if the fraternity brothers find out that a pledge has given their pledge pin to a girl, this is what they do. They tie them to a tree, and then the girl has to come and, and let them go. But you're right. Like like you said, like Janet's not, she doesn't particularly care. She's like, I don't even know if I want to participate in this. It's so childish. Uh, okay, I guess I'll go. Right. Yeah, so we see her, like, you know, slowly making her way there. And then we see him, and he hears something, and then from – it's a huge tree. Like, the trunk is enormous. Oh, yeah, massive. Um, so, you know, easily somebody could be concealed behind it. And, and somebody cuts the ropes from behind – and he thinks it's her, but he's like calling for her and she's not there. And he's like, well, if it's not, if it's not her, who is it? And then apparently from the time that he cut the ropes until a few seconds later, the killer scaled the tree, <laughs> crawled out on a branch so that he could then jump down right on top of Gary and stab him multiple times. Yeah. But again, off off screen. Like you see you see the killer and you see the knife going up and down, um but you don't actually see the stabbings happen. But but you're right. That's when they start and from then on it's just boom 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 boom. Like every scene is somebody else getting killed. The next one is Janet. Mm-hmm. She shows up at the tree. The boyfriend's not there, so she thinks that she sees She's like following a trail of his clothes or something, which lead her up to a rooftop where the lights go out for a second, which scares her. So she runs, but then the killer just reaches out from behind a corner of a building and grabs her and pulls her off screen and presumably kills her. We never see her body, do we? We never see her again. The jocks both get killed. Most of the... uh, killings are with this you know i I would say at least 12 inch you know butcher knife that he carries around with him all the time the first jock wild man goes to the gym to steal pills so that they can sell them and uh, while he's there the killer shows up the killer kills the lights in the gym but wild man being an athlete who's in the gym all the time knows where the lights are so he turns them on and the killer's just standing there in the middle of the basketball court this was the only sequence that i thought was a little bit interesting and in a different movie mm-hmm. would have been better it would have been better because he doesn't run away screaming he he's a huge guy the this yeah. wild man guy is is huge and the killer's huge too, but you know, yeah. Wild Man, rather than fleeing, he runs straight at him like he's going to take him out. And this guy just kicks the crap out of him. Yeah, he, he breaks his arm immediately and then just beats the crap out of him and then ends up killing him in a weight machine. Like he, he pulls the weights out and he takes 
I don't I don't lift, so I don't know what these machines are called. I, I've used them. Nautilus like in, machines. Yeah, like a Nautilus machine. And he the, the, the wire that the weights are suspended from, he pulls it out and wraps it around Wild Man's neck and then releases the weights so it pulls him back and, and strangles him. Which I thought was actually, you know, a fitting kill for this big strong jock who probably spends most of his time in that weight room anyway yeah and it looks okay i read that there was a scary moment something went wrong when they were filming this and uh the the actor who played wild man really got strangled um by by the machine and uh passed out yeah, the other actor, the actor who played the killer, realized that something was wrong and got him out. That he was already unconscious. Um, so that's kind of scary. Like that's scarier than anything in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it truly is. And then he and then he kills the other jock. You know, he he just chases him around and stabs him. Everybody kind of comes to the gym. Yeah, everybody comes to the gym. The other jock, this is where I thought it kind of got silly, is because the other jock ends up running to a boiler room and locks himself in there. And and again, it's like this killer can be anywhere at once. He He's stumbling around the boiler room. The killer we know is locked outside the door. So he's just going deeper into the boiler room, and he comes to two doors that say, Danger, do not enter. He pulls open one, and it's just like a closet, but it has an exit door at the end of it. And he walks slowly through it, and the killer jumps out of a barrel that was sitting there the entire time to stab him. Wow, that was yeah. hilarious. I, I thought, I thought it was. I thought, is this movie trying to be a comedy? You know, because this, this. If it was, it didn't work because it wasn't funny. No, um, no, it wasn't funny. It was just head scratching. Yeah. And then Radish goes to the gym and gets killed in the way that I already said. And then Lisa is waiting for the professor to come find her in the art studio for one last fling or whatever. She just gets very unceremoniously stabbed. Like, yeah. we see her we see her waiting there all night long. And then the killer just shows up and stabs her. And that's it. The end. I am so surprised you haven't said anything special about the actress who plays Lisa. I didn't look at any of them because I didn't recognize any of them. Deanna Robbins looks like from 1984 to 1985, she was in 59 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Well, they all were. I don't know. <laughs> That's your thing, though, man. That's your thing. I know. I know, but I'm telling you, I didn't, I, I didn't even write down any of their names because I didn't recognize any of them. I think one of our patrons suggested that we do a mini-sode for them about Days of Our Lives uh, and soap opera. Uh, connections because you're like the expert on them. It sa- it sounds like a good idea. I have a feeling it would end up being really boring. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking now. Yeah, I I don't even recognize her character's name. Of course, I would have only been five when her run <laughs> ended. This was before your yeah your days of our lives. But uh, so she gets killed, and then the killer chases Courtney around for a while. Chases her all over campus. Oh God! Um, there's a part where she like she locks him in a cooler but then he just pops out of a different door like <laughs> a di- like a different cooler i don't i didn't understand that bit but okay either this this cooler is really large and needs three doors that are right, right. next to each other right no it didn't make any sense or it was a different cooler entirely none of that made sense but it's just hilarious how she goes from building to building she'll get outside and run around just to go to another building to go inside and run up the stairs 
or lock herself into some place that the killer can get into, so then she can run out. I, f- I feel like it, I was getting a nice little tour of the campus through this, and all the locations we have been to before, yeah. but without the typical, oh, she discovers all the bodies along the right. way, which is what I was what was waiting to happen and, and didn't, and so that was another missed opportunity, I suppose. But maybe he was just trying to be different. I guess. But... She ends up where we started. She actually started out in the top of the tower of this, like, kind of clock tower building or whatever on campus. And she decides the safest place for her to be is to go all the way to the top of that clock tower. Right. And wait for the Stupid. killer to follow her up the stairs. Which he does. Yeah. And then there's this coach who just shows up. We saw him earlier. He had a little bit of banter with the sheriff and said a little something to Wild Man and then left and said a little something to one of the other guys, Mitch, the on-campus security guard about going hunting or something. And so I guess that's his excuse to show up what what has to be like 1 or 2 a.m. by now. Just parks in front of that building conveniently and yells out, Hey, Mitch! Ready for the trip? And then when he doesn't get an answer, he hears a scuffle inside. So he gets his bow and arrow and goes inside and sees the killer pursuing this. Well, sees the killer, I guess, with her at the very top of the tower from down below. Yeah. And he's, you know, it's just like a spiral staircase that goes around this very small sort of atrium. And so he aims his bow and shoots at the killer. This was interesting. Like, the killer immediately reaches out and grabs the arrow in the middle of the air. Yeah. And I thought, like, to me, it looked like the way they did this scene was he had the arrow in his hand. He just swung his hand up really fast. But in the IMDb, it claims that the man who played the killer could actually catch arrows in midair, was trained to do it, and suggested this. I I don't know. I find that really hard to believe, but maybe. Well, he's a stuntman. The guy that plays the killer is a stuntman, and he's uh, trained in martial arts. So, I don't know. Maybe. Arrows maybe go really happened. fast. I, I I certainly couldn't catch one, but whatever. Maybe maybe there's a way to throw them slowly. Who knows? Maybe. So the so he catches the arrow and then he stabs the coach with it. Um, and so then it's just the final girl, Courtney, and the killer at the top of the staircase, and they scuffle briefly. The killer steps on some rotten wood and kind of trips and loses his balance and loses his knife over the banister, and she takes advantage by grabbing a random board and wailing on him <laughs> yeah wailing on him until he falls over the ledge and drops like i don't know six stories or, or something it, it, it's far and and he's you know down at the bottom splayed out blood coming out of his head and she goes down and of course it's a slasher movie so you got to get that one last scare in the the killer grabs her ankle and so she grabs his knife which is laying nearby and just stabs him repeatedly again we don't see it we see the knife going up and down um but we don't see it actually going into the body and this part had to be trimmed to keep the movie from getting an X rating, which makes absolutely no sense. There no. is no gore in this movie at all. But apparently, in, in the initial cut, she stabbed him 18 times. And apparently that was just too brutal. So they trimmed it down to 12, which I guess made it's it... less brutal. Right, less <laughs> brutal. 
And so they got their R rating. That's six less brutal, Craig. You know, there's, I don't even know that this movie would get a. <laughs> I don't think this movie would even get an R rating today. No, I, I would it imagine sure it would wouldn't. get a PG thirteen. There's no, there's no nudity. There's no sex. There's no. I don't recall really any even swearing. There's a quick boob flash when. Um, is there? When Lisa's character is in the art studio and she disrobes and puts on wraps herself up and in a blanket to lure which she thinks is the teacher but ends up being the killer yeah it's, i mean it's very brief yeah it's ultimately very tame um by today's standards but i would say even by 1981 standards it was pretty tame and that's it you know after she kills him she goes out and sits on the stairs uh of the clock tower and just sits there and hangs her head and cries and the credits roll and and it's over yeah uh yeah i uh, that's that's how i feel about it too yawn like <laughs> it's okay. I mean, we we've we've certainly seen worse. Um Well, as a so bad it's good movie, I was actually chuckling, you know, again at the unintentionally funny bits because there were I think more than usual, I thought this movie was loaded with it. From the killer popping out of a random barrel to the insanely bad dialogue, some of the really terrible acting that was just so bad it was cute. Oh my man, I, I there were so many quotable lines from here, you know, that were just so hilariously bad that I enjoyed that aspect, the buildup, even though I got increasingly frustrated at the fact that nothing of significance was happening and that things that I thought were being set up for payoffs never were going anywhere, ne- never ended up being significant. And like you said, the missed opportunities of the, of, of you could have had something really cool there with Radish. And a couple of the other characters that, you know, in the hands of a more competent writer, um, somebody probably could have doctored the script up into something that would have been more interesting. Ultimately, it's just, uh. Right. It was okay. It's one of those. I, I hate to dog on it too much because it's not awful. It's just, it's not particular. I understand why. It's not noteworthy. No, it's not particularly noteworthy. And so I understand why I, I, I've not often heard it talked about. I, I don't often see it referenced um and i get why it's just it's kind of forgettable it's not terrible um and if you you know if you're looking for an 80 slasher that you haven't seen i mean whatever it's it's fine it's just it's nothing to write home about but if you're looking for something to goof on with some friends i think this is pretty high on the list I guess I didn't find it that amusing. There were a couple of times that I laughed out loud because the lines were so silly. Um, <laughs> the, my my favorite thing about the movie was the character of Radish. I liked him. He was an endearing, charming character and and actor. And you know, he I lied. I said I didn't look up anybody. That's not true. I looked up. I looked him up. He's a very successful producer today. Yeah. He does mostly, uh, I think, like, made-for-TV, like, uh, lifetime, like, romance-type movies. But Yeah, um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And, like, multiple movies every year. Um, so he has gone on. He's very, very successful. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's it. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Final exam. Yeah. Good for uh, good for the slightly less annoying screech that we got in this movie. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 
Well, thanks again for listening, and this does wrap up our theme month of 1981 slasher movies. We hope that you had as much fun listening to it as we did. Uh, we'll have, of course, more movies coming your way. As always, just uh, give us a shout-out online and let us know what you thought of this theme month, these movies, and this podcast. Share it with a friend if you can. You can find us if you just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Just any one of those places you find us, whether it be a podcast hosting site where you want to leave us a review, or our webpage, or Facebook page where you leave us a comment, or our Patreon page where you can uh, throw a couple bucks our way every month and get a few uh, special bonuses, and just the joy in your heart of supporting us and keeping us going. We appreciate all of you uh, listeners, no matter, uh, and, and we love to interact with you as well. We absolutely love uh, to get feedback and comments. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah! Uh-huh.